Please join me now in the prayer of illumination that's printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. You're going to hear two stories today, both of which are related to each other. The first one comes from Genesis 11, 1 through 9. This story tells us why things are the way they are in the world. The story would be told in answer to the question, why is the world messed up the way it is? Why can't people learn to get along? In response, hear this ancient story that tries to answer those questions. At one time, the whole earth spoke the same language. It so happened that as they moved out of the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled down. They said to one another, Come, let's make bricks and fire them well. They used brick for stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches to heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. God came down to look over the city and the tower the people had built. God took one look and said, One people, one language, why this is only a first step. No telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Come, we'll go down and garble their speech so they won't understand each other. Then God scattered them from, from here and there all over the world, and they had to quit building the city. That's how it came to be called Babel, because their God turned their language into Babel. From there, God scattered them all over the world. It. Now, this second story that you're going to hear is the story of the reversal of that first story. It's the story of Pentecost, which is where Easter leads us. Today is the last day of the Easter season. Listen to how God reverses the Tower of Babel and asks us to be part of that same story. When the Feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Without warning, there was a sound like a strong wind, gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. And then, like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks, and they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit prompted them. There were many Jews staying in Jerusalem just then, devout pilgrims from all over the world. When they heard the sound, they came on the run. Then when they heard one after another, their own mother tongues being spoken, they were thunderstruck. They couldn't for the life of them figure out what was going on and kept saying, aren't these all Galileans? How come we're hearing them talk in our various tongues? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, visitors from Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phygra and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, immigrants from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, even Cretans and Arabs. They're speaking our languages describing God's mighty works. Their heads were spinning. They couldn't make head or tail of any of it. And they talked back and forth confused. What's going on here? Others joke, ah, oh, they just drunk on cheap wine. 
That's when Peter stood up and backed by the other 11, spoke out with bold urgency. Fellow Jews, all who are visiting Jerusalem, listen carefully and get this story straight. These people aren't drunk as some of you suspect. They hadn't had time to get drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. This is what the prophet Joel announced would happen. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on every kind of people. Your sons will prophesy, also your daughters. Your young men will see visions. Your old men dream dreams. When the time comes, I'll pour out my spirit on those who serve me, men and women both, and they'll prophesy. I'll set wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billowing smoke, the sun turning black and the moon blood red. Before the day of the Lord arrives, the day tremendous and marvelous, and whoever calls out for help to me, God will be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, did y'all see how pretty those packages were that Havala wrapped? Stand up, Havala. Hold up one of those things. Hold up. Well, I want them to see how pretty they look. I mean, this woman worked hard on those babies. And inside is an even better gift. And you need to see it before leaving together. Havala got them a really good-looking gold compass. Now, you may wonder about a compass for a graduation gift, but there's all kinds of meaning to it because she gave them compasses to remind them that you can always find your way back home. But the compass is also a reminder that life is about going to new places where we have never been. Now, in the Protestant tradition, Scripture is our compass. In the stories that we hear, they invite us to come back home. But they also invite us out into new places where we have never been. And that is certainly true of the story that you heard about Pentecost. Pentecost contains two stories in one. And you and I are asked, which story are we going to choose to live by? One is the story of the way things are. This is the story of the Tower of Babel that you heard Chip read this morning. Originally, the Tower of Babel story was used to explain why people don't get along. The reason is they can't understand each other. But I saw something in the study of the text that I have never seen before. And that always gets me excited. Now, I have always been told and heard that the Tower of Babel was about human pridefulness and trying to rely on themselves in building a tower to heaven. Humanity relied on the things of the earth, like the dust that they made the bricks from, rather than depending on God. That sounds like it'll preach, don't, don't you think? That sounds like a good story for a preacher to preach. But then I saw this. This story is more likely an account of the human drive for homogeneity, which is in conflict for the divine plan 
for diversity. The theme of homogeneity of the human race is emphasized by the repetition of the word one, which is used four times in the story. I've never seen that before. Humanity wants everyone to be alike, everyone to have the same beliefs, everyone to think alike, look alike, be alike, all go to Chapel Hill. But that isn't God's vision of the world. God's vision is diversity, which means when we gripe about people being different, we sound like the humanity in the Tower of Babel story. We are people going against God's vision of diversity. Isn't that an interesting new way to hear that very old story? So God confuses their language, and the result of the confusion is they get scattered. It's the way things are, isn't it? And this scattering continues to divide the world because when you can't communicate, then differences and diversity become something to be feared rather than embraced. Now, I heard about these students who got URL passes in Europe. Did any of y'all ever use those? Yeah, there you go. Some of, some of us older adults like Elizabeth and me, we used them, and they were great because I remembered after that year in Scotland, I, along with two other friends, we used URL passes and we would sleep on the trains at night going from place to place so we could save that money and spend it on food rather than having a place to stay. Well, that's what these students were doing. And they pulled into the station. They were sound asleep. They didn't know they were pulled into a station. But the train stopped. And they saw this flashing red light and these words in a language they didn't understand, and they immediately said, the train's on fire. And they went running to find the conductor. And the conductor told them, no, the train's not fire. And the flashing red sign means, do not use the toilet while the train is stopped. When we don't understand, we tend to read the worst into whatever it is that we see or we hear. Isn't that what we do? I mean, there are a great many barriers that separate us. Geographic, cultural, ideological. Heck, we don't even have to go that far. Just look at the barriers between spouses or between parents and children. Have you ever noticed that men and women speak different languages? It's true. When men say, I need you to help me, they often say it in ways that women can't hear. And women will say, I need some space. And men hear a completely different message, like, uh-oh, what did I do wrong? If that's true in our families, just add to this the differences in the world. Economics, education, race, class, sexual orientation. What hope is there for us to understand each other? We see the flashing red light and think the train's on fire. The Tower of Babel story most of us know quite well. But there's another story. And in this story, God's Spirit comes. And everyone hears the other speaking in his or her own language. It isn't that there's a common language. There is not. 
there is still great diversity. You heard that in the text, didn't you? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and on and on. Only people can now hear. And when they hear, they can overcome all barriers. This story tells us that the Spirit of God is powerful enough to overcome historic deep boundaries that frustrate our hearing. The question of Pentecost is which story are we going to choose to live by? Now, it's easier to live by the first, the Tower of Babel, because that's where most of us live our lives anyway. Most of us seek that homogeneity where things are all the same, where everyone is like us. Now, I spent last weekend Memorial Holiday with two college friends, Lee Dukes and Stuart Todd. Most of you know my friend Lee, but you don't know my friend Stuart. Stuart is a thoracic surgeon in Rocky Mount, North Carolina, and Lee and I used to say that Stu had a great effect on our going into the ministry because we figured our friend Stu was going to kill so many people that the funeral business was going to be real good. Stu is going to retire this September. He's going to be my age, 58, and the boy's retiring. In talking to Stu one night, he was complaining about the younger doctors coming out now. And he talked about back in medical school, he had to work 100-plus hours a week. Now, there was a rationale to that insanity. They wanted you to be able to think on your feet and make rational decisions even when you were bone tired. Now, the younger doctors don't have that grueling kind of training, Stu said. And he doesn't see them wanting to make the same kind of sacrifices that he was forced to make. And I thought about younger ministers coming out now. They do, too, have a different work, view of work than my generation. I don't include Amy in that, by the way, because she puts in the same kind of hours I do. But that isn't true for everyone. Give me an amen, Amy. You know? I do see others who don't want to work the same way. Now, is that bad? I don't know. But when we were sitting there complaining about the younger generation, suddenly a light bulb went on in my head. And I said, do y'all know that we're saying the same kinds of things about the younger generation that we heard our parents say about us? Obviously, I'm getting older. When you get older, you dream of the way things were and want everyone to go back to that. While the younger generation has visions of the way things could be, rather than visions of the way things always have been. And my friends, the truth of the second story that we call Pentecost, that is the vision. That is the hope of the world, because if things just stay the same, what a stuck world it would be. Thank God things have changed because the world is a lot different than when I was born and vastly different from when Powell Majors was born. Us in directions we can never imagine. Now last Sunday, I'll confess, I was fishing in Laurel Creek. It's a beautiful creek. And we kept finding these car parts. We didn't know why. That afternoon, we bought a bench for the house and my friend Lee Dukes was talking to an old-timer there and asked him. And the old-timer said, yep, we used to take cold cars and bury them in the creek bank 
to prevent erosion. But then the environmentalists started fussing us back in the 70s, and we stopped doing that. But the crazy thing is now, he said, they're digging up those same old cars and restoring them. Who could have seen that one coming? The disciples couldn't see what the Holy Spirit was bringing either. Because they thought Jesus was going to come back and set up the kingdom just for people like them. But quickly the Spirit comes and starts bringing in others. First Jews who came from different parts of the world, like those at Pentecost. And then Samaritans, who let them in? And then Gentiles, people like us. There goes the neighborhood. Suddenly it's a whole different world than they ever could have imagined before. And the world got turned upside down. And my friend, the turning hadn't stopped. The question for us, though, is what story are we going to live by? Be careful what you answer. One way is easy and comfortable. The other is scary. Pentecost is like the difference between grape juice and wine. Grape juice is a bland and pleasant drink, but it's a ghastly symbol of the blood of Jesus, especially when served in individual antiseptic thimble-sized glasses. Wine, though, is booze which means it is dangerous and drunk-making. Wine makes the timid brave and the reserved amorous. Wine loosens the tongue and breaks the ice, especially when served in a loving cup. Wine kills germs. As symbols go, it's a rather splendid. Pentecost is about wine, not 